This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of Ghosted, an American story, written and narrated by New York Times best-selling ghostwriter Nancy French, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Tell me a story, Baba. What story, my son? About T'Challa. Welcome back to Once Upon a Time in Wakanda. I'm Tyler. I'm Bo. I'm Aaron. And we are here to talk about the main character. We have saved him to the end. We have talked about all other characters and Wakanda and some of the side secondary people in the story. But we have to talk about the title character today, the Black Panther, specifically T'Challa. Barack T'Challa Obama. (laughs) See, okay, so we, you just, you just, he just went with the lead. I was going to bury the lead, but (laughs) going to save it and build up to it. But so we're talking about the comparison between T'Challa and Obama, fictional character and real world president slash statesman slash politician slash civil rights hero, quote unquote. So Mm. before we get into this, we have to talk about your perception of T'Challa. You, you said in previous episodes that you, first saw him in Civil War and when you saw him first impression of T'Challa when he steps onto the screen Noble hmm I mean he had this so we're, we're introduced to, to, to T'Challa in Civil War um, you know the Marvel Cinematic Universe right uh, and we see him and immediately we're dealing with the loss of his father right mm. and just how he's processing that and so even though there's deep hurt pain and anguish and and there's a there's an edge of revenge initially uh the overall thing that i noticed about t'challa was his nobility hmm bo i know you're, you you had high expectations and hopes for what civil war would how civil war would introduce him and present him and that's a very interesting choice to kill his father in the in that opening scene yeah absolutely um you know all right so as as i do every single episode of course let's start with the source material uh so you know if if you're looking at civil war i remember going into that movie uh with months of preparation with everyone knowing full well that they were making a pretty seismic change to the storyline uh, in, in terms of what characters they were going to use uh, specifically because they were going to use T'Challa in such a significant way. We knew this was going to be the case, especially because at that time they did not have access to Spider-Man. Uh, the inclusion of that character right. came in very, very late. And in the civil war comics, Spider-Man is kind of the, the focal points yes. and kind of the em- emotional hook throughout the, the the primary story. So, you know, that being the case, I remember like thinking like, how are they going to use T'Challa in such a way? Because comic book wise, Spider-Man is very much kind of pulled by both sides. He's, you know, I love the character of Peter Parker. I love the character of Spider-Man, but he was very much a pawn in the midst of everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. So if they brought T'Challa in to the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a pawn, as opposed to a king, that would be problematic (laughs) very much so and not a good uh not a good use of the source material but what we ended up getting was a very different story from the comics a lot of same themes a lot of you know a lot of obviously the uh the primary characters that are are kind of involved with each other on the on the two different sides but t'challa comes in as 
kind of a third party in the midst of that, which was the exact right way uh, to, to bring him into that storyline. And I think is also a good way to kind of sneak him into the Marvel cinematic universe right. and do something that we have not seen done very well. I don't think up until, uh, until this point, which is, kind of get the origin story out of the way a little bit. Like yes. mm-hmm. whenever you do this kind of introduction of a character in another movie, like, you know, they're, they're kind of like, Oh, why can't they have their own movie? Well, the nice thing is once they do get their own movie, we don't have to waste time. We can go directly into like the really, really good content. I'm hoping that Marvel learned from this and we can see this for future characters, but getting back to the question. So T'Challa's inclusion his introduction to the Marvel cinematic universe. It was powerful, man. He, he, right. He was a king from the moment he stepped on, even though he was a prince at that point. Right. And even though we see him kind of coming to his own in his own movie, uh, no, he knew exactly who he was, no matter where he was, and yeah. that's T'Challa. And you know, what's funny about that is T'Challa is different from other comic book characters in the sense that he is not framed primarily as a hero. Mm. He's framed first as a king. Yeah. And that's completely different. I think how most people approach, and I think it's what makes T'Challa's character so unique, especially in the MCU, how most people approach a, a comic book character is there's a tragedy, but they're motivated by the sense of of, of duty to save people and and they have these powers that they didn't want and there's all these things that I ah, struggle with this you know what with, with great power comes great responsibility <laughs> and there's this like up and down and for T'Challa it's very matter of fact even in his conversation with Black Widow post his father's death mm. he says the Black Panther has you know are the are the king and the Black Panther has protected Wakanda for centuries and now that's me. Yeah. Like, now I'm the protector of, of my country. And so he's not in it because he wants to, and we, we referenced this before, not in it because he wants to be a part of the, the Illuminati, wants to hang with these guys, wants to be an Avenger. All that is inconsequential to him. Right. I'm king of Wakanda. And because of that, that sets up the framing for Black Panther because his father in the first ancestral plane sequence says, you're a good man with a good heart, and it's hard for a good man to be king. Oh, man. One of the most yeah. iconic lines. I mean, if you talk about a trailer, yeah. I was not expecting for them to include all those action sequences and the um, the Run the Jewels music and, and all that. <laughs> and then at the end, they throw that in as he's you know doing all these things. I'm like, wow, that is that is a heavy, and it frames the fact that T'Challa has this weight on him. Mm, yeah, he has a weight on him. Talk a little bit about that weight as it relates to to his character motivations in the film. Specifically Black Panther, yeah, right? specifically Black so, Panther. You know, what's interesting about that is we see him with this... So he's thrust into this role right? early. And in the comics, it's even earlier in life. Mm-hmm. You know, we see him as a man in MCU, but really in the comics, he's a teenager. Right, yeah. And so it, it's it's very early in life. And so this isn't, this isn't something that he's chomping at the bit for, even though he's he's very cognizant of the fact that he's being groomed for it. Right. The timing is definitely not to his choosing. <laughs> right. And so to yeah. see him begin to step into this role and to walk under that gravity and the responsibility of protecting his people, one of the things that stood out to me is that he wanted so badly to get it right right yeah huh right that's, like, that's so true you know and and that's that's a strength and it's a weakness you know like yeah. he wanted so badly to get it right and i think that that even kind of set him up 
uh, you know, down the road to, to make some missteps, but which right. we'll probably get to. And, and I have to say this, man, Chadwick Boseman is T'Challa. And so he's known, it's, it's this funny thing where he's known as this, this actor who plays, whether it's Thurgood Marshall or Jackie Robinson or James Brown or all these other people, he's known as the black biopic <laughs> actor Something of the era. Of, of the era. era. It's, it's crazy, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you Chadwick Boseman is T'Challa. He embodies T'Challa in a way I haven't seen Get On Up. He might do that in Get On Up. I, I heard that's one of that's really his best role. But he embodies T'Challa in a way that he doesn't for the other characters that I've seen. And it is to a T. I heard Kevin Feige say, when we announced Chadwick, we, we took a look at Chadwick and we presented him with the opportunity of playing the role. And we didn't really look at anyone else. Mm-hmm. And I remember when he said that, I was like, what do you mean? Like... I mean, there's so many great actors. You could have chosen this actor, that actor. And then when you see Chadwick on the screen, you're like, that's the only guy that could have played T'Challa. Yeah. <laughs> that's the yeah. only guy that could have embodied it. And what what gets me is he has this, this range of emotions, even with body language and expression. So he carries himself as he walks into Shuri's lab with the swagger, with the... Mm-hmm. You know, very hip hop, very I'm the king, very I'm stepping into my prime. But then he has also a respect for the traditions and the gravity and the weight of him stepping off of the Bugatti spaceship onto the waterfall scene. <laughs> mm. And he looks up and I think he sees the weight of that and the gravity the and he amazing. doesn't take it. That is that scene is crazy. That's and powerful. he doesn't take it flippantly. He looks up and I think he gets the weight of what's going on, man. That's good. You know, I, we mentioned before, like he was, he really wants to get it right, right? And we see that in, uh, at, at first in a very, in a very good and positive way, because he mm-hmm. goes around to his people, to the the leaders of the tribes, and he's he's kind of gathering thoughts and philosophies. He's looking at his kingdom in a new way, um, because before it was it was all on his dad's shoulders. Now it's actually on his shoulders, and so to kind of get a, a kind of a, a look at the arguments through a new light right. uh, as he's kind of weighing his options. Um, we're not really presented with a determined path that T'Challa has laid out for himself ever in the film. Oh, that's no, yeah, yeah that's right. no, and you get the sense that he doesn't really know what that is, yet. right? Right, right, and right. You get the sense that he's open to being influenced by people within the throne room, which right. is why the line where it seems like, you know, uh, when he when he's meeting with his father, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're thinking, well, is he not ready to be king? And his mm. response wasn't that. It was, I wasn't ready to be without you. Yeah. Mm. And his father was kind of that guiding compass in mm-hmm. his life. Now, let's, let's transition here because I think We'll we'll touch on this even as we continue the conversation. But go ahead, Bo. Okay. I know you, he Bo just Bo just hit something. A light bulb came on. I don't want to lose that light bulb. Well, so one thing because because the the scene with him and his father in in kind of the the spiritual plane and everything. I remember it struck me the way that that was done the first the first scene and the fact that you know he kneels his father says rise the music in that scene is so different from everything else. Yes, and they do something with this beautiful crescendo. But that's like really early on in the film. And it just struck me that that is, it is the crescendo of his personal journey from the last movie. Like, like that is this big 
pinnacle moment for him because everything that we had seen from that character before was wrestling with the fact that my father was gone. My father was taken from me. I'm dealing with this. And so to then to finally kind of come to this point to see his dad and to have his dad say, stand up, you are a king. That was the moment. Oh man. And so then that, oh, and then he comes out of it and he's crying because he's like, I saw him and like, oh man. So so can I just say say real quick, what's powerful about that is that there's an overarching thing throughout the movie that has to do with identity and affirmation. Mm -hmm. And because Hmm. he never got that closure from his father, it wasn't something that, you know, his father had lived a long, full life. And then maybe on his deathbed, he pronounces a blessing over his son, that that sort of thing. And so that was the thing that was missing with him, you know, for his father to say that. Mm. So that's what made that really You're a king. Powerful. Man. And in that moment, seeing it with, I actually, you know, was able to see the movie with my father. And so seeing that with him was very, it was kind of a very cathartic moment, I think, for us to watch that and watch the ups and downs of fathers and sons, which yeah. we'll get into maybe season two. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> but, um, but so as we think about the way that T'Challa was written, T'Challa has a very interesting history. So he enters into the comic book scene fighting the Fantastic Four for fun, basically, basically to hone his skills, to prepare himself for his opposition. And so he fights each one of them basically to test himself. That is a crazy introduction. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So he fights me. He's like, yeah, come back and, you know, have dinner um, with me and all that. And so you see the way that T'Challa advances later on, he's fighting the clan right in the South which is nuts. And then he continues to go and fight different adversaries. And he has people who, who oppose Wakanda, who oppose his regime. But I think the person who really embodied a different kind of a more thoughtful approach to T'Challa was ta Coates mm. in the sense that Coates really wrestles with this dual identity of warrior and king. And he complicates it in a way that I think is refreshing for people who have read Black Panther for a while to really build up to that point and complicate that. Because, I mean, we see that T'Challa is motivated by duty in previous comics, but the way that Coates introduces this tension between warrior fighting and king, like, hey, there was one, there was actually one part in, in issue two where one of his advisors was like, hey, we'll take care of that. And T'Challa was like, no, no, I'm going to go. And they're like, what do you mean? You're the king. Like, you've been gone for a while. We just got you back. What's going on? Like, you've been comatose. Mm. Why Why are you going to go and do this? Well, because I, I can protect against mind control and, you know, your soldiers won't be able to do that. And in that sense, you're like, man, this king takes a lot of risk. Like, he puts himself on the line mm. a lot for all this stuff. Coates says, that's a very Coates line. It's hard for a good man to be king. When you think about that, the natural line, especially considering Coates' writing, was Obama. Hmm. Hmm. Because the idea was that he was framed by other people as a hero, but never really saw himself as that. I think he saw himself as just a president. He saw himself yeah. as not as this big symbol, but as someone who was moved by duty to serve his country. Hmm. But there were complications in that. Yeah. And there were problems with his identity. And there was and so when you see the fact that Coates writes so much about Obama and then picks up Black Panther at the same time as he's doing that, you're kind of sitting back and you're like, man, there's some connections here. Did you guys see connections? Do you see connections between T'Challa and Obama? I do. I think they're both idealists, right? 
Um, I think yes. one of the things that really marked, um, so we, we go back to like one of the seminal moments in the political trajectory of President Obama was his speech at the DNC, yeah, sure, you know, as, as, as a new senator. And people are like, who is this person? <laughs> you know, people, you know, <laughs> on the national level, right? Mm-hmm. Because locally, we know he was very, in, very involved and, and uh, uh, as a servant to his community and things of that nature. But but his his introduction to the nation pretty much was that. Mm-hmm. And there was such a kind of a, a, a freshness to his message. There was such a, you know, an element of hope that really resonated with people and to me, it wasn't a show. I think one of the things that's always marked me about him is that he believes that, like, like, yes. and, and particularly for at better the moment, or worse. For, yeah, yeah, he <laughs> believed that, you know. And so I think the same thing can be said about T'Challa. You know, when you're an idealist, a lot of times because of that, you'll you'll end up in difficult situations, uh, especially when you're new, because you have mm-hmm. yet to experience it. The, the nuances and the ups and the downs and the challenges that come with major positions of leadership. Mm-hmm. And so and so you have to kind of come to that moment where your ideal comes uh, into into conflict or I should yeah. say collision with that, which is real. The reality. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I think when you say idealistic, I think that's a nice way of saying he's naive in some ways. Uh, and, 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 it's possible to be idealistic without yeah, that. Well, yeah, but I think especially for but both of for both of them, there was a naivete about mm. how they approached their role. So T'Challa in that ancestral plane sequence is asked by his father. You know, he says a, a man who is not prepared his children for his own death has has failed them. Hmm. And then he says, "Have I ever failed you?" And then T'Challa resolutely says, "Never." Now he doesn't get how the world works. <laughs> Yeah. He doesn't get what you have to do to be king yet. Right. So he's been prince. He's served and protected his father. He's prepared for this role. He still don't get it. And I think it, in a similar way, I think some oh, of the boy. statements that Obama made, he was like, man, I'm just going to make this statement. It's not a big deal. It's like, well, well no, no, that's not how it works. No matter what you do, they're going to still undercut you. It doesn't matter if you're twice as good or three times as good. They're still going to come behind you and swipe you. And so sometimes I feel like he didn't play the game right. Hmm, yeah. I feel like he didn't, you know, you, know you got to play the game, you know, the game of I Thrones, think, so I think to one speak. Of the, you know? One of the that was when, when you're in that position, especially initially, one of the things that you do in terms of idealism, and it, and it may be naive, but you hope. And and you give people the benefit of the doubt, mm-hmm, right? Instead mm-hmm. of trying to appeal to the worst in people, you try to appeal to what you think is the best in people in hopes that they will grab a hold of that. Does that make I sense? That they're not like, power hungry. Well, <laughs> yeah. well, there therein lies the challenge, right? Because if 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 you if you spend your entire uh, uh, you know time in office appealing and and trying to reach the best in people, the worst in people kind of feels neglected. And then when somebody comes along to appeal to that, they come back strong. <laughs> so. <laughs> that's exactly uh, the Wish I had one, an organ just right right then one, one of the uh, <laughs> one of the naive seems too harsh a criticism of of T'Challa and Obama actually and, well explain well so both are very much kind of groomed for the positions that they would end up taking um, both very much kind of have the, the the history the career if you will that would kind of lead them into that exact position and both come in uh, with kind of a a, a you know a, a kind of a hope for what uh, their country will look like as they move forward now along the way we actually do we we get something with T'Challa that we never got with Obama. And that's, we get to like 
spend time with him when he's not in the throne room. We get time mm. with him when he's in those kind of closed door conversations, when he's trying to hear what's going on. What we get, you know, as, as kind of Americans during the, uh, well, during any presidency, what we get is photo ops. What we get yeah. is kind of seeing <laughs> right. everything's yeah. packaged. Exactly. And so like, you know, even, um, you know, even recently when, uh, you know, with, with national tragedies that we've, we've had to wrestle with, we've seen pictures of, well, this is what this president looks like during this tragedy. This is what this president looks like during this tragedy. And that sort of thing. And, and those are kind of powerful comparisons, but at the same time, you know, it's not that president Obama wasn't heavily impacted, but that image was selected very specifically so that we see, you know, this, this aspect of who he is in this moment. Does yeah, that make right. sense? Yes. No, absolutely. So, so with, you know, the, the benefit of, uh, of, well, I don't know if it's a benefit or not, but just the reality of it is with comic book character and the comic books actually take this even further because in comic books, you actually get boxes that show you what the characters are thinking. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, we, we get a chance to actually dive into what he's questioning and where, where he's at and trying to see him wrestle with things that we never saw President Obama wrestle with. And just because we get that glimpse of his humanity doesn't necessarily mean that he's naive. It just means that he's human. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think... One of the problems is there's a history of people who are who step into roles that are of heavy consequence for a, a country or um, a particular um, region or continent or what have you, and they step into these roles and they don't understand like the gravity of what they're getting into while understanding it at the same time. And so I think like it's it's like this weird dance of I get the traditions. But I don't fully get it. And, and there's there are some ways in in the comics where Black Panther is actually taught that and taught that he has to make impossible decisions by, you know, I guess the necropolis, you know, so he's he's basically the king of the dead. And he is all the people who have come before him who are Black Panthers. You see it in the film. But it's different in the comics in the sense that they all can give him advice, mm-hmm. not just his father. So you see it kind of at the end with the second ancestral plane where you see the people walk up. Mm-hmm. Those are the previous like Black Panthers oh, or how powerful. Yeah, yeah which yeah. is amazing, yeah, you know. Wrong. But, but you, and you know what? The thing about it is they didn't give him advice. And I think sometimes it's like the way in which the, it was packaged in the film. It should have been more real. Hmm. Like, I mean, his father was like, ah, you're going to make some mistakes. You're going to make some mistakes. No, like you will have to be put in an impossible decision. Like you will be put between a rock and a hard place and you won't know what to do. Hmm. I I think you got to, you have to tell people. And I feel like that was a thing. I feel like in the euphoria of the 2008 election, there was not a proper preparation for the opposition that was awaiting for yeah. this particular president. I mean, regardless right. of which which you know political side you fall on, it just didn't seem like he really, it seemed like he was doing the best that he could, but he appealed, he was like, okay, well, the goodwill of people will figure, okay, well, yeah. once you once they show you who they are, <laughs> believe them. Yeah. Believe that they're not for your best interest. Believe that your friends will betray you. Believe that people who are in your own party won't Wakabi. Believe that Wakabi will, will betray yeah. you, right? George W. Wakabi. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, believe that that will happen. And and that was, I guess, my frustration with even T'Challa right. in the film. Because I'm like, man, you should you should know that this is going to happen, man. Come on. You you got to think better. You don't right. have- well, all right. So here's the thing, right? Like you, you said it, and I think you're right. Like it's a, it's a blend of, you know what you're getting into, but you don't. 
And I think that there's something to be said for, you know what you're getting into, but nobody really knows what that is until they're in that seat. So like, it's very easy to criticize the throne when you're not the one sitting. Heavy is the head that wears the crown or in this case, the, the cat, cat mask. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The panther garb. Yeah. I mean, but here's, here's my thing. I, and I, I think it's, it's really embodied with the whole Killmonger incident. We're still, man, the more I think about it, the more just frustrates the heck out of me that he accepted that challenge right then. And people, <laughs> people died because you accepted that challenge. It just frustrates the heck out of me. And I mean, there were some people would have died anyway, but it's like, man, you think, bro, think before you <laughs> act, you know? And, but that was the moment that frustrated me because he was thinking as a hero. I don't think he was thinking as a king in that moment. Mm. Yeah. I don't think he was thinking about the, the kingdom. And I think he stepped out of king to be, man, let me be a hero and let me let me fight this guy. And let me now nah, think about it, man. You got all the resources. He stepped into your throne room. You got all the home turf. You got the door Melage behind you. You got these people who, even if they're waffling, trying to figure out who you are, they're loyal to the to the throne. Use that against him. You won't have to fight him one on one, you know, or you can build up to that. And and I think again, as we as it relates to Obama, it, it was it's just that wrestle of goodness and and the reality of of the power that you have and how do you use that power for good. And then T'Challa ends up making a decision that goes against the history. But see, those are the moments that that make you as a leader, though. Mm-hmm. And sure. so, so no one if you don't leads. Die. Yeah, if you don't die, right? if you live, if, if you don't die, if you live, if you live, if you survive, if you survive the fall from the waterfall, you survive the fall from the waterfall. those are the moments that make you those moments where there are tactical errors, those moments where there are gross miscalculations, those moments where uh, there are betrayal. That if you're able to walk through those moments, then there are such valuable lessons that are learned and honestly there's no other way to get those than through hardship mm-hmm. and through failure yeah. i mean that that really is the journey like right. no one learns in a vacuum uh with with circumstances and conditions that are always ideal it's mm-hmm. the hardship the challenge the struggle the betrayal that actually serve to make us i mean that's the crucible that the character necessary mm-hmm. to bear the crown in honor or to hold the office in honor right. That that's where that character is forged, and I know I'm I'm being tough on T'Challa and Obama, but I will say the thing that was was really good about both of them, in the sense of you know if we're doing a character comparison, is that they both recognize that there's something flawed about the history of the country that they serve. Mm. So T'Challa comes around and unflinchingly faces Zuri, and then his father in the ancestral plane. It, that man, okay. So the first scene where he's you know I am your king now. That moment in in the the um yes the heart shaped herb garden yes. where he's like I am your king that is the king forbid me to tell you I am your king Ooh. yeah that is crazy and he 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 addresses the older generation mm. Mm. I think in a way that's unflinching and in a way that asserts that he's stepping into his kingship that he's stepping into the reality of what he's doing in the same way I think President Obama by his sheer presence was a reckoning for our country's history. But I think he was willing to say some things that other people would not have been willing to say mm. about the history of our country, about where we came from, about the reality that, hey, we need to address 
I mean, these whether it's race relations in America, yeah. whether it's the history of slavery, whether it's complications, I think he was willing to say, and it was taken out of context so many times, but I think he was willing to say, we have been wrong, in the same way that T'Challa says, you were wrong. Yeah. So let me ask you something. Do you feel like if Obama's T'Challa was America to some extent, Wakabi? Like, with this expectation of, like, all right, you're coming in. We're in power now. We've mm. got this. Like, it's time for, for you know, time for wow, us to start powerful. having a little bit more power behind the throne, a little bit more push, a little bit more. I thought you would be different. Yeah, right. But it's more the same. Right, 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 right. Yeah. That and, line in particular. Yeah. But I think if you, it's even wow. more powerful when you consider that Wakabi is black America in the sense that Wakabi expects the king to come in and correct the history that led to their pain. Mm. Immediately. Immediately. Hey, we got we got the villains. Go get the villains. Give us reparations. Go get <laughs> like yeah. I yeah. mean go push the ball down down the field for us. Hmm. And then we thought you would be different, but in reality it's it's more the same. It's more the same. So mm. we're just we might stand in opposition to you, we might critique you, we might support someone else the next go around. There's still a loyalty, but there's also a critique of the Obama presidency that's very interesting from Black America that resembles Wakabi's distaste very quickly for what the regime oh, this is more like Empire. You're doing drone strikes just like everyone else. Yeah. You're doing mm. and it's Dr. like Dr. West comes to mind. What'd you say? Dr. West. Oh, comes yeah, to yeah. Mind. So Cornell oh. West, like that whole that whole kind of stream of black in- intellectualism that says this is just neoliberalism and this is exactly what we expected. And it's funny because West specifically says they're like, man, he's a he, he says when people say he's just a politician, I say I want a profit. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And the expectation of Obama to be prophetic into that reality drives his very strong critique because he's like he's too much politician i want he's too much king i want him to be hero or he's too much hero i want him to be king you know which is again very fascinating to see interesting so maybe i mean black america is wakabi i don't know i mean you know it's just who knows i mean in some ways i both like i ain't saying that so (laughs) you know but you know just thinking back i remember you know so you remember the you remember the the celebratory just uh, you know, sentiment that was across the nation with with, with black people that was so right. real and so visceral, man. I mean, people were literally weeping. People who had lived through the civil rights movement, you gotta people, have a history to know. I that. mean, oh my goodness, it was it was like this. Um, it was like a pinnacle of hope, right? And then it's like now, like you said, here is here it is. So so some some wrongs are going to be made right. This is going to be corrected. We're going to have course correction here. And even if you go back and look at at the Congressional Black Caucus and just yeah. kind of like, okay, now we will Un- finally unemployment's going to get better, yeah. and we're going to have entrepreneurship, and the wealth gap is going to close, and progress is slower than what we think it should be. All right. So here's the other thing too, because you talked about the generation critique, right, of kind of the tension that li- that lies there. We live in a world, in an era where like our entire generation is heavily defined by instant gratification. Mm. Yes, like, absolutely. Everything in is built and is being more and more built for us to press a button and something to be done instantly. And actually, it's now being built for the button to be gone and it just shows up at your door before absolutely. you even wanted it. So yeah. like there is kind of this this mindset. So that's that's the America that Obama became president of. T'Challa is becoming... Uh, king of a nation 
where that's probably been the reality for you know of course. we talked about like if sure can like you know 3d print a train system in like a year you know to challenge there's, there's a lot of expectation on whoever right. is king especially somebody who's new because t'chaka he 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 he'd been he'd been king for a while for decades he, he, yeah he, he had some he had some gray you know yeah, what I mean? Like, absolutely. like, and so you've got to imagine that even in the, you know, futuristic world of Wakanda, uh, you know, uh, he, that he's probably looked at by a lot of kind of younger citizens mm-hmm. as being someone who is, you know, they, they are kind of ready to kind of push the envelope forward. Right. And right. I mean, they, they displayed that in, in a lot of the arguments, but yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think that that's very fascinating to see that generational almost excitement that the newer guard has kind of surrounding T'Challa where some of the tribal leaders are looking with skepticism. Mm -hmm. You have like a Nakia or an Okoye who openly rooting for T'Challa to win, right? Like they're like, yes, let's, let's, you know, we want him to be our king because it just makes sense, you know, instead of M'Baku or whoever. I I found on kind of a side note that T'Challa's powers as Black Panther are are still being explored because I think he's far more powerful than what the movie showed him to be. And I think there are some ways in which we saw a hint of it, like when he took, I think it was a vibranium spear or something, and and he destroys the spaceship, like right as he's mm-hmm. making that last kind of move. And that was mm-hmm. cool, but but I'm like, man, I feel like T'Challa's a little bit more powerful than this. Well, okay, so on kind of like a, a super science type level, right? right? So he took the heart, he had the heart-shaped herb in his system we don't know how long, but we, we, we can assume that it was, uh, it was there during uh, Captain America Civil War uh, because he had to specifically have that power taken from him when he fought M'Baku. Yes. And so then we see him get it again. Then we see it taken away from him again. Then we see right. it. So he's kind of in that like, like we, you know, perhaps the most powerful we've seen him is actually in Captain America Civil War because he's right, been in the yeah. state of like, right. like death, healing, death, healing, death, healing, right. you know, and, and so he's, he's like right after a cold. Old, like he didn't have a cold anymore, yeah, but he's not he's quite well gonna, yet. Yeah, you're not, <laughs> you're not, not quite 100 powers. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I'm just interested to see where they take him, especially in the geopolitical landscape, mm-hmm. as kind of a critique of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What do you guys think about his decision at the end, though? Because he he stands before the coalition of nations and says, "We're going to open ourselves up and and we're going to build bridges." Wise, foolish. Eventually, uh, colonialism. Uh, I, mean, if you, I mean, okay. I mean, so again, as you made the argument, colonialism has been part of uh, Wakanda exactly. for some time. But mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, well, if again, you know the arc of the comics, and you see that moment in the movie, you're like, uh oh. You know? <laughs> <I mean, laughs> Thanos is coming. You know, Namor yeah, yeah, is coming. Thanos, Doom I mean, is you, coming. You know that at some point, I mean, great tragedy and ruin uh, are both on their way to Wakanda. And so even though it's kind of like this, you know, it's this very, you know, celebratory moment at the end of the movie and it seemed to be marked by, man, this is great progress and we're doing the right thing. You know, if you're familiar with the source material, you you know that, yeah. man, it's coming. Yeah, they're you know, going to be attacked. There, there's a great storm on the horizon and so yeah. here we go. So that's the thing, right? Like, all right, so we've got the, uh, the benefit of kind of this omnipresent knowledge of what's to come. <laughs> and so from that standpoint, you know, him making that decision is Wakanda making that decision because had they said, no, we're going to stay within our borders. That decision would have been taken from them and T minus a couple of months here because when Thanos comes in and they start attacking this like mountain in Africa, something tells me all of a sudden that little barrier is not going to actually hold up. Like that barrier is coming down. The world is going to be literally the entire world is going to be zeroed in on that point. Like, 
this come from? You right. know what I mean? So from right. that yeah. standpoint, him actually kind of declaring like, here we are, we've been here, we've got this. It's not yours, by the way, but we want to help you out a little bit here and there and, and play more of an active role was his decision that would not have been his decision had he waited. I, I think it would be fascinating if they followed the comics and rendered all vibranium inert. Like, you know, at that moment where they destroy, where T'Challa basically destroys Vibranium's power, you know, and there's still some left over, of course. But I think that would be a fascinating because at one point, mm. the Midnight Angels actually have to fight. I believe it's Doom or Doom's people or something else with with without Vibranium, mm. without the benefit of Vibranium, because he was controlling it. And so I think that maybe the next arc is... You know, when you let people into your resources, there's corruption, and then eventually you have to destroy your resources so they don't use it against you. Yeah. <laughs> you have to, yeah. yeah, you have to. I think that yeah. would be a very fascinating if if T'Challa would say, destroy the mountain, you know, destroy the vibranium, you know? Yeah, I sure. mean, that would be, I think it would be so jarring, and I hope they don't do that in Infinity War, but it would be powerful to say, we can't let him, if we can't hold him back, mm-hmm. Shuri, destroy it. Man. Man, oh my gosh, I got chills. Well, so that's the thing. Like, all right, so this is going to get kind of nerdy here, but I I do, I think that the way the movies are being set up is that perhaps vibranium is actually the way that it is because it's containing the soul stone. Like we've got these cosmic uh, stones, you know, they're they're very colorful. You have the red and the blue and the purple and Mm -hmm. everything. And uh, uh, from almost the beginning, at least definitely since uh, Avengers on, and actually even in Captain America, the first Avenger, I guess, is the first time you see one. Um, we see these Infinity Stones, and it's all been building to this moment, to this summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm wondering if, you know, the Soul Stone, which we have not seen yet, uh, which se- would seem that Vibranium is in some way connected to with, you know, the way, the way they're able to kind of commune with the yeah. dead and that sort yeah. of thing. I wonder if if the Soul Stone is removed, which at some point it definitely will be, will that actually negate vibranium completely like will it just then be a a powerful metal but not nearly as powerful as as powerful as it was yeah so and that and actually if they do that then they can maintain that you know what they have mined and use still works so like the whole city doesn't come crashing down or anything like that but they no longer have have access to that Mm. uh which also would take some of the threat of wakanda sitting on you know this this new nuclear power right you know away and actually once they start enacting with the world and once that technology becomes more and more available, the world's got to change, right? Like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, if they've got the cure for cancer, well, kind of T'Challa is going to start looking like a villain. If he doesn't, if he doesn't give, right. give that yeah. out. Yeah. I think the comics are going for how it's, it's funny how Iron Man is celebrated. His, his, philandering billionaire funny guy (laughs) he's challenged but it's almost like that's his shtick like he can enjoy his skin yeah yeah i think that the films are going to increasingly require more of t'challa per decision than any other superhero in their universe right i think they're gonna they're gonna naturally require more of him and they're they're gonna require him to make some heroic decisions it, there's there's a scene I think it's in in New Avengers in the comics where he's talking to the dead and the the former Black Panthers and they say value our people the lives of our people above all others hmm. like that is what we tell you to do and 
it seems kind of ambiguous as to what T'Challa will choose, even though he says resolutely, I'll do what I have to do. I'll do what I must do. It's going to be interesting if that's the conflict is, do you value Wakandan lives? Do all lives matter or do only Wakandan lives matter? (laughs) Like, do you value Wakandan lives above the lives of the entire world? Because you might have to make a decision that strips Wakanda of its unique place to save the world. So mm. I remember after President Obama was elected pretty pretty early on, I think it was early on, because uh, that was about the same time that, that Iron Man uh, was released, I think year of. Yeah, exactly. So on The Daily Show, on Comedy Central, back when Jon Stewart was there, he's kind of running down a list of all of these things that Obama's doing, and he's just like, you know, hitting it out of the park, hitting it out of the park, like this this week that he's had. It's like, and he just got back from his trip to the Middle East. I think we actually have footage of that uh, trip of President Obama's trip to the Middle East, and it's the scene of Iron, Iron Man, Man flying <laughs> in oh, <no>. and like <laughs> saving the day. Oh, man. And I remember watching that movie and thinking like, man, this is this is such a an American film fantasy that really speaks to kind of the the sense of like man i wish somebody would just like just go clean everything up and not like not bomb everybody but like go take care of the bad guys free the good guys and set them up and he's like here you 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 got this and fly off and and not you know yeah exactly (laughs) no collateral damage without the uh the responsibility of making sure that that's cleaned up and they're they're (laughs) empowered right and in many respects i think that uh, that sequence on the Daily Show of like saying like President Obama, you know, go be Iron Man. That's that's the T'Challa. Like that's that's the weight that's on T'Challa yes, yes. is because he's got he's got the Iron Man suit. He's got well, he's got the Black Panther suit. Yeah, it's better than the Iron Man suit in Ex- some ways. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You can't fly, but cats can't fly, so it'd be a little weird if it did. Right, exactly. And he's got a spaceship. Anyway, so the point is that that he will have that pressure put on him because he is a king. He's not. I mean, he is a hero. But he's also a king. And so that is always going to be kind of heavy on him, I think, regardless of of what Hmm. changes. Iron Man, if President Obama was Iron Man, that would be the situation. But Iron Man, Tony Stark, the pressure that's on him would not at all be the same because he's not an elected official. official. He's not a king. Man, I I think in as much as we allowed Obama to have his ups and downs and hit rock bottom and have triumphs, we should allow T'Challa to do the same. You yes. know, let's see how it plays out. Long live the king, man. From from the guy that uh, has been criticizing his decisions. Hey, man, I think... <laughs> hey, man, critique should... Hey, love should, should lead to critique. Yeah. You know, love yeah. should lead to, lead to some healthy critique. And no I, doubt. I believe in T'Challa. T'Challa 2020 and 24 and all that good stuff. <laughs> it's a, well, you know, he's born into it, so there's no elections. <laughs> well, I mean, still, we still going to reelect him anyway. <laughs> That's in Wakanda we do elections, even though we don't have to. <laughs> elections by combat. This concludes season one of Once Upon a Time in Wakanda. We really enjoyed diving into a few of the characters and themes from the Black Panther comics and film. And honestly, this is just the beginning. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Wakanda Podcast for updates on season two and how you can help make it a reality. We'll see you next season. And as always, Wakanda forever. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.